This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. In the next 10 years, the number of Americans who are both elderly and homeless is expected to triple. And that projection was made prior to the coronavirus. What can be done to address this growing problem? It's pretty dire, and the reason that we're going to have such a big increase in elderly homelessness is because this cohort is aging into their old age. This is the group that has been homeless since the mid-1980s. Then, there's a digital divide in our country as tens of millions of Americans have no access to broadband internet. All of this needs to be addressed immediately and efficiently and democratically so that we're not leaving tens of millions of Americans behind in kind of a dial-up age. Those two stories and more are ahead on this week's show. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. A decade from now, the number of elderly, homeless Americans is projected to triple. What can be done about it? With more, here's InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. There's a startling new projection on the number of homeless elderly people saying that number will nearly triple in the next 10 years. It's tied to baby boomers getting older and job prospects getting slimmer, especially during the pandemic. Joining us is a leading expert on homelessness, Professor Dennis Culhane from the University of Pennsylvania. Professor, let's dive right in. The problem developed far before the coronavirus. These boomers born between 1955 and 64 were coming of age just as two recessions hit. What effect did these have on their earning capabilities short and long term? Well, first of all, the size of the cohort is important. The baby boom, which stretches from 1945 to 1964, was unparalleled in the history of the U.S. in terms of the size of the cohort. But the second half of the baby boom was significant in its size. It's larger than the first half, but they were already being crowded out of the housing market and labor markets. And essentially, you had an excess supply of workers. So you had lots of young people in their 20s who could not get a toehold in the workforce. And at that time, the only option for many people was to go into the underground economy, which at that time was dominated by the crack cocaine epidemic, which, of course, was a dangerous economy. There was violence, potential addiction, arrests, incarceration. It coincided with the getting tough on drug crime policies that contributed to mass incarceration. So this was a group of people who basically had a very tough time for the rest of their adult lives, only being able to get in and out of marginal occupations and, you know, in and out of homelessness over time. Since the Great Recession, this group has particularly had a tough time getting back into the workforce because firms are not hiring people at that, you know, at that time they were in their 50s. And now these folks are in their late 50s, early 60s. They're not eligible for Social Security in many cases. So they're sort of stuck in a rock and a hard place, can't find work and can't get any kind of public benefits. And for those who are employed, the government projects that 30% of seniors aged 65 to 74 will still be working by the year 2026. Is it realistic for some of these boomers to work that late in life given their health care needs and costs? 
Well, that was someone else's research, and I presume that there's a variety of factors. That would not likely be the group we're talking about because the folks who experience homelessness have a life expectancy of only 64 or 65 years of age. My goodness, 64 to 65 years of age. Yes. And the difficulties continue because recent information from this source, Apartment List, shows that rents did rise slightly over the last year, but fell nationwide since March in the coronavirus outbreak. Do you have a sense of whether rents will head higher again in the near term and how much of an ongoing problem this will be? Well, there's no evidence that they're going to come down at this point. We've had a housing affordability crisis since the 1980s here in the United States. In particular, the increase in housing costs on the West Coast have led to a huge rise in homelessness there since 2014. So there's no evidence that rents are going to abate. And there's no evidence, therefore, that the younger boomers will be able to keep their earnings high enough to make ends meet. How would you characterize the situation? Dire? It's pretty dire, and the reason that we're going to have such a big increase in elderly homelessness is because this cohort is aging into their old age. It's not as though there are a big set of new factors driving their homelessness. This is the group that has been homeless since the mid-1980s. We're visiting with Professor Dennis Culhane from the University of Pennsylvania on the ballooning number of elderly homeless people. Professor, would you say it's more economical to invest in solutions now rather than face much higher expenses to cope with the problem later? Absolutely. People who are homeless use hospitals much more than people who are homeless who are then placed in housing. They also are going to use many more nursing home days. In fact, based on research we've looked at in the recent years, elderly homeless people are costing about twenty to $25,000 a year in health care costs. So those are dollars that could be substantially reduced, and the offsetting dollars could actually be used to pay for housing solutions for folks. Now, in the first coronavirus stimulus bill, Congress approved $4 billion to help the homeless. First of all, if you were a housing czar, what would you do with that $4 billion? Well, you know, that money can be spent through September 2022. So it could be used to pay down two years of rental assistance for people who are currently homeless. And that would be, in my mind, the best use of the funds. And then over the course of those two years, especially if you targeted it towards elderly people, you could be working on the plan to transition them to other kind of subsidies. Is $4 billion enough to make a dent in the problem? It's a substantial amount of money. And I think that, you know, for two years, yes, it can make a substantial dent in the problem. You know, we just did a plan for Los Angeles County and estimated that if they just used not even a third of the money that they're getting in this program, that they could house all of the elderly homeless over the next two years. But then they would have to find a funding stream going forward. I know you have your ear to the ground on such things. Do you expect there will be more short and long-term rental assistance programs? You know, I think it's tough. I don't know that the bill that's under discussion and negotiation, that there's a significant amount of rental assistance in there or not. What about the private sector? Is it stepping up organizations such as charitable trusts? 
Well, you know, the homelessness sector is dominated by charities, and those are the folks who are doing the frontline work. But, you know, this is a patchwork of programs. They tend to be pretty tiny, and their focus is mainly on providing beds and making sure people have a place to sleep and something to eat. In most cases, they're not actually working to help people solve their homelessness problem. And so we need the CARES Act money, and we need programs that are specifically designed to help people get into housing because the programs that provide shelter are just overwhelmed with the work they're doing. And even then, you know, only half of the adult homeless population actually has a shelter bed to go to. We have a significant number of people who are not sheltered. And our listeners might be asking, are many of these seniors able to turn to families or move in with a roommate? Indeed, yes. We think that probably the most successful low-cost housing subsidy will be to help people find shared living with family members or friends or even as boarders in someone else's home. So shared housing is very much in our mind as a potential big part of the solution. Professor Dennis Culhane from the University of Pennsylvania, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. Next, 40 million Americans can't access broadband internet. That story, coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this. 